The Scoop Podcast, brought to you by Point Park University. Welcome back to another edition of the Scoop Podcast presented by Point Park University. A very special guest joining us here today on the Scoop Podcast. It's Penguins Head Equipment Manager Dana Heinze. And, of course, alongside the usual suspects, Michelle Crecciolo, Sam Kassan, I'm Josh Getzoff. Dana, thanks for taking some time with us. Well, thanks for having me. This should be an adventure today. Dana, I want to start off. You know, when I, when I was in kindergarten or preschool or all those young days and they had career day, all these people would come in and talk about their careers, but you don't get a lot of equipment managers coming in telling people about their career. It's such a unique position. I was just curious, how did you get involved in this profession, you know, the trajectory of your career, and obviously how you ended up here today? Well, uh, to be quite honest, it was by accident. <laughs> As most amazing things are. It, yeah, that's true. I, uh, I always thought I was going to be a professional hockey player, but uh, that didn't work. Uh, what happened, uh, ironically, was... When I was in uh, junior college, I was playing pickup hockey one afternoon, and uh, I was the goalie. A guy came flying in and hit me, and out of the blue, this guy came skating in and came to my defense. After, uh, after the game was over, I walked down the hallway to see who was this person that was defending me that I didn't even know. Nice in this shining armor. <laughs> yeah, and it turned out to be the uh, uh, equipment manager for the Utica Devils of the American Hockey League. His name was Jeff Krupp, and uh, he uh, introduced me to uh, what it was like to be an equipment manager. Uh, and that uh, kind of uh, took my whole uh, art photography career <laughs> down a different path. Uh, I don't think my parents were too uh, excited about that whatsoever, but uh, things have seemed to work out just fine. Well, clearly they have. <laughs> I'm, sure they're, I'm sure they're not complaining now, a couple Stanley Cups later. No, I, I think uh, I think things happen for a reason. Um, after my junior college experience, uh, I went back to Johnstown. wasn't quite sure what I was going to do actually, and uh, I was down at the Cambry County War Memorial one day visiting my friend Dave Ziegler, and uh, he uh, said, "Hey, uh, you know, we have a new East Coast Hockey League team coming. Uh, they're looking for someone to help." And I'm like, "Wow, you know what? I I, I saw the ins and outs of the uh, Utica Devils." Uh, so I thought, well, this is pretty cool. So he put me in touch with uh, John Daly, who was the general manager, and uh, we talked for uh, quite some time. I probably uh, embellished a little bit of it, <laughs> and uh, he told me to call the coach, who was Steve Carlson of the famed Hanson Brothers. So I called Steve, who was currently in Baltimore, and uh, we talked, and he's like, well, do you think you're uh, – capable of doing this job but do you have you know do you have the credentials for this and i was like no <laughs> <laughs> honesty and he said well you're hired so <laughs> in uh 1988-89 that was my very first professional job i was with the johnstown chiefs i made 105 dollars a week nice and, nice little uh, stipend ten dollars ten dollars or excuse me it was five dollars back then five dollars a day meal money when we went on the road but back then you know what was interesting was we really uh were treated like professionals. At that time, it was the lowest form of professional hockey. There was only five teams in the league. And uh, we would go to Knoxville, Vinton, Virginia. Uh, where else did we go? Erie, Pennsylvania. And we would go the night before because Steve was used to the American League and had a, a short stint in the National Hockey League. So that's how we would travel. Uh, I would pack up the players' gear, which was like, this is unheard of, because that's what they did in the National Hockey League, so that's how I wanted to treat our players. Um, back then, it was crazy 
the way that it works now, all these teams, equipment staffs and trainers, we all get along, we all help each other. There's standardization where you know you have to provide certain things. Well, back then there was nothing. There were five things you provided, two bars of soap, 20 towels, <laughs> two cases of pop, and um, some or 20 warm-up pucks. That was it, that's all you provided. So there was no laundry, there was nothing. So I ended up going to laundromats on the road. I would, the bus would drive me to a laundromat, I would have these rolls of quarters that the coach would give me, and I would sit in there for hours washing this laundry. You see you walking with a little sack of quarters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and my favorite spot was a place called Duds and Suds <laughs> in Knoxville, Tennessee. Fitting name. But I was, I was not uh, 21 at the time, so it didn't really, wasn't, wasn't a good fit for me. <laughs> good but, mix. But, uh, yeah, that, that was some of my... So, uh, so it was a bar and laundromat? Yeah, it was some of my first <laughs> adventures, which, you know... Might as well. I mean, you got nothing to do other than waiting for the laundry to go through. Might as well have a have a beer. Hey, even back then, something that was pretty crazy was uh, there'd be nights where we wouldn't be able to get into an arena, and we would have to pull all the players' gear off the bus, and we would put it in our hotel rooms. Dude, that had to stink. It was. It was. <laughs> it, it, and I still get some 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 grief from some of these guys uh, today. I, it, I, it's nice that I'm able to keep in contact with some of them. Uh, one in particular was Scott Gordon. Scott Gordon played for the Quebec Nordiques. He was the very first player from the National Hockey League who had experience in the NHL to be sent to the East Coast Hockey League. And I can tell you, he was not happy. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. He, he's such a great guy. And, and being the equipment guy slash trainer, as I was, uh, we shared rooms. And it was really fun. But uh, Scott, it was a little bit of a... A wake-up call for him. He's got all these bags his in his gear. room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how it was back in the day, you know, how times have changed. And, and believe me, at, the, at this stage of my career, I, I don't take anything for granted. I'm so lucky to have what we have here in Pittsburgh and all the other teams I've worked for. So, you know, it, it's, it's been quite an adventure. Well, how did you make your break into the NHL? So you were at Johnstown here. Well, funny you say that as well. So <laughs> it's kind of another funny story. Uh, being younger and naive – uh, we go back to uh, Jeff Krupp, who uh, was with the Utica Devils, who was promoted to the New Jersey Devils. So it turns out he called me uh, in 1990, and it was during the summer. He's like, hey, Dana, it's Jeff. He's like, I really have something good for you. He's like, you're going to be so excited. I'm like, wow, what is it? He's like, you're going to go to work at Providence Hockey School for Lou Lamorello for four weeks. I'm like, what, really? They, they want me to work there? He's like, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> so I ended up going to Providence College, and I was the medical trainer, equipment manager and for, the, for the summer camps. And as years have gone by, I, I finally realized Jeff just didn't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't want to deal with Lou? <laughs> no, no it, wasn't, no, it wasn't even that. Mr. Lam Lamarello is one of the, the nicest people in the world, I'll tell you. Uh, I have to give that man a lot of credit. He, uh, he uh, did give me the opportunity in 1992. That was my first National Hockey League experience was with the New Jersey Devils. And uh, he taught me attention to detail. You know, he really is a very good man. And uh, that's something that uh, I'm very proud of, uh, the way that I do my business with the attention to detail. I think it's very important. But, uh, you know, getting back to that, that was pretty funny. You know, I, I did that for two years. Uh, for the summer. But, you know, looking back, it was one of the greatest things that could have happened to me because it also helped hone my skills. Um, there was an uh, equipment manager who was with Providence College. His name was Bo Riondo. 
He was a great man. Sadly, we lost him. He passed away. He took me under his wing, which he didn't have to. And the last year we were there, he was working with me on uh, sharpening skates. And the camp was coming to an end. And he pulled me into his uh, equipment office. And he said, Dana, I have something for you. Uh, he handed me a silver dollar. He said, Dana, this is your good luck charm. You're going to make it to the National Hockey League someday. And uh, I got a little choked up like I am kind of thinking about it now. I keep that silver dollar in my wallet ever since the day he gave that to me. I've had it with me. And, I mean, who could have ever dreamed that something, just as an act of kindness, he, I, I don't know if he saw something in me or what, but, you know, that's something that's very special to me as, as well. So. I don't really Just tell that story that often, yeah. That's a great story. kind of a chill. That's cool. <laughs> I know. Yeah. That's awesome to hear. Yeah. So, Dana, I, so you're obviously with Pittsburgh now. What is a typical day like for you working for the Penguins in the NHL? Well, my days are a little different than most people because one thing that I think people have to understand is uh, as an equipment manager, you're not handed a, a, a book. You just don't get a book that says, hey, this is how you do everything. Um, everybody's unique in what they do, and, and I think most people who know me realize that I'm a little different than everyone else, and I, I think that's a good thing. Uh, my day typically starts around 5.15 in the morning, and at, at, that's my choice. Um, I was taught long ago from my coach, Steve Carlson in Johnstown, you know, he would always say, Dana, you're, you're, you're going to be the first guy there, the last to leave, and I've kind of made that my credo. Uh, I do leave sometimes before my other guys, you know. But, I, I think but you've I'm, earned it after I, all I'm always years. the first right. guy there. Um, I, I like that time in the morning. I'm a, I'm a morning guy. Um, but I usually get to the rink around 5.15. I get all the lights and the whole locker room area prepped up. Uh, you know, the people that follow me on Twitter realize that uh, the, the really the other first thing I do is I get a <laughs> pot of coffee going. And it's absolutely amazing how many people love coffee because I just enjoy a cup in the morning. And the funny joke is, how many cups do you drink a day, Dana? And, <laughs> and really, it's like one and a half because I pour maybe five or six. But you know what? I set them down. I lose them. I can't find them again. <laughs> or when I do find them, I take a sip and it's ice cold and that's gross. Right. And, uh, but, uh, but after that, uh, I like to be in my skate shop around 6 a.m. and uh, sharpen the, the, the skates. Uh, and then, you know, we, we have a pretty good thing uh, where... If something had occurred the day before regarding repairs or anything else, we, we try to button that all up the day before. I really live that uh, credo that says if it's going to take us five minutes longer to do something, well, then we're going to do it today because we don't know what's going to come tomorrow. Sure. So uh, I think uh, a lot of the lights shined on me quite a bit, but uh, I, I do always want to stress how important it is to me to have such great people working with me. You know, John Taglinetti. Paul DeFazio, Danny Kroll. I mean, we, we are all fingers on one hand. I mean, we all get along. As you guys know, with traveling, hey, we're, we're with every, you know, I'm with these guys more than I am with my, my wife. And, uh, uh, you, know, yes. you know, obviously, you know, when, uh, you know, I might have the title of head equipment manager, but, you know, we are an equipment staff. And that's important to me, and I think you guys can see that as well, how we operate. Uh, uh, you know, everyone everyone has a role to play, and it's not like, oh, well, that's Dana's job to do that, or that's Polly's, or that's Tag's. You know, we, we all jump in, and, and we all have the skills, and 
and and they've bought into you know the way I do my my business and and I think uh, you know you can go back and look and we've had JC Irig who's worked with us and moved on to Colorado. Teddy Richards, who's now the youngest equip, head equipment manager in the National Hockey League, you know, worked worked with us, and uh, all, all these guys have uh, gone on to be successful as well. And uh, you know, hopefully, the, the guys that work with me will will be the, the next guys in the driver's seat one day. You know, I feel that speaks to the way things are run here. The, the fact that all these guys under you have gone on to do better things and expanded in their careers. But how do you divvy up the roles? You know, who does what and. and do people kind of find their niche on the staff? I think everyone finds their niche. Uh, you know, this year John Taglinet was promoted to uh, the, the second equipment manager. You know, I, it's it's tough for me because I, I don't like to work under those titles. You know, again, uh, it, we're all equipment managers. Uh, John's uh, really uh, involved with the sticks now. He uh, is in charge of ordering those. Uh, Polly is uh, big in the repairs. Uh, the laundry, not necessarily washing it, but it's the, the issuing it and, and uh, you know, all around everything uh, type of stuff. Uh, Danny Kroll is uh, also with us. His uh, primary uh, uh, part is working with the visiting NHL teams that come into our building. He does an unbelievable job down in that room, and we're so lucky to have him there. But the banker, he, uh, he handles, you know, ordering the pucks, the Gatorade, you know the tape. Uh, he works the, the the bench for practice for us. I mean, he's very involved. But you know, he jumps in there when it's time to make helmets and other stuff like that. Uh, you know, issuing gloves, just all kinds of stuff. We're we're all on the same page, which is is huge. Dana, speaking of working the bench, I, I'm honestly curious. What is it like for you during a game when you know there's so much going on? You know, say a guy loses a stick and you have to grab one, or a guy comes off an escape blade, is, is on the ice, and needs a repair right away. I mean, how do you handle the, the chaos that happens uh, throughout the course Well, of the there has been chaos, <laughs> for sure. And, 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 you know, the game has changed since I started in 1988, uh, you know, with changing gloves, you know, could be every other shift or whatever it is. You know, players change their sticks for whatever reason. I don't judge a guy because he's changing his glove or stick. If a player wants to change something, then it's our job to be there to do it for them and not ask why they want to change. Um, but there's been nights, no question, uh, it's been crazy. It's been absolutely crazy. Changing steel, uh, you know, this new edge technology with changing the steel on the, on the fly is, is awesome, but it's also created a monster because now we're sharpening three times as much as we did before. But you know what? We're not losing players. You know, uh, we're not losing, they're not losing shifts. Mm -hmm. So it actually works out great, but it, it's actually a ton more work. But there's been, some, there's been some funny incidents on the bench, for sure, uh, uh, where, you know, the coaches are standing there coaching the game very involved and you're trying to squeeze by them on these tiny little benches and you're trying to like you know i need to get by and the guy's standing down there he's looking for a stick or a steel and they're giving you that look and you're like i am not gonna tell my sullivan yeah, to move right now i feel like i would wither away yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Look like yeah. That. so it, it's 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 uh it's we we commonly refer to it as walking the gauntlet and it's uh <laughs> It's, uh, you know, we look at each other and kind of get a little grin on our face and kind of laugh. And here we go, you know, down the bench. You choose. Four years talking about the real world or four years immersed in it. After a hands-on, career-focused education, Point Park graduates enter the workforce prepared to succeed. Professionally designed, that's the point. Point Park University, downtown Pittsburgh, pointpark.edu.
I think it's interesting too. I just want to say as an aside, you mentioned the, the go- coffee that you drink in the morning. I'm not up at 5.15. I don't know if you guys are, but every time no. I see that tweet, <laughs> that tweet's like one of the first couple things I see, and it's like almost a reminder to get a cup of coffee. So from afar, Dana, you're doing your job, nice. at least as far as I'm concerned. But I wanted to ask you a question because I think it's interesting with the different players and different intricacies within those players on the team. And I want to use Tanner Pearson as an example, sure. just coming on board from Los Angeles. How quickly do you guys kind of get a feel for what guys like and don't like, and what's that process like when they do come on board midseason? Sure. Well, I think I think it's important to know that uh, when when the trade happened uh, there's a, a, a timeline that some the, the the business end of it has to be taken care of once that's taken care of I'm notified and I'm able to call the other equipment manager and that's that that's a huge part of it um, the communication that we have with every other team and the relationships that we have with these guys so when uh, he came on board uh, I called Darren Granger and he was from the Kings equipment manager, and, and we, we spoke. And uh, even though we have uh, all the information electronically, you know, we would send Carl Haglund's information to L.A. and vice versa. They'd send his uh, info to us. Um, but we talk about it, and, and we get a feel, hey, you know, th- you know, Carl Haglund is one of the nicest guys in the world, Darren. You know, uh, he likes uh, his skate sharpened beforehand, uh, before morning skate. You know, we'd talk about his gloves, his stick, all his equipment, you know, and, and, and what a good guy he is. And, and, you know, Darren's like, hey, you're getting a great guy back as well. And that's always good to hear. So, we, you know, we talk, and, and, and that's part of the process. After that happens, I do call the player. So when I called uh, Tanner, it was, uh, it was, like, busy for quite some time. So I finally got through, and... Uh, I spoke to him and introduced myself, welcomed him to the Penguin family, and uh, I already had his information, but I I, I wanted to go over it with him. Uh, The interesting part of that is uh, we always have to get a number. So he was wearing, I believe, 70 in Los Angeles, and uh, I said, hey, we have 70 available. Uh, Would you be interested in that? And he said to me, well, you know, that's been my number, but uh, I kind of need a change. And so I had to pull up my number index, and we uh, we had uh, we went through different numbers, and uh, 14 came up, and he said, "Well, how about 14?" I said, "Ooh, 14. <laughs> okay." Uh, so it's an interesting change from 70 to 14. Yeah, right. normally normally on most numbers, I'll just I can just issue it out, but on on that one, uh, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I guess. Really, there's no, not too many numbers that are untouchable, like 66, obviously, and 21. Sure. But uh, for that, I just wanted to make sure. So I did, I did clear that with uh, Jim Rutherford just to make sure. And, and uh, you know, Chris Kunitz wore that number, you know, amazingly, and he's such a great man. But uh, it's got a new home right now, and that's how that worked out. So interesting. It's like the brotherhood of equipment managers too, the way you guys share information and that camaraderie that so you have important. amongst each other. It's so important to, to do that. There, you know, it's, it's, again, it's so different from back in the day <laughs> when you know, there was no communication amongst teams. And, and you know, back in the day, hey, listen, not proud of it, but it was a different game back then. But in the East Coast League, teams would come to Johnstown, and mysteriously 
the handle on the heaters mysteriously was broken, and the room was about 120 degrees. I, I don't know how that happened. That's weird, weird. Or yeah. maybe half the lights didn't work, you know? I don't, I don't know. That was just, it was just room. strange. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was common practice. It was common practice. Anything to get edge, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you mentioned the, the Dana Heinze locker room in Johnstown. Oh, and, brother. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, we've got, we, we got to get it in, though. Yeah, yeah it, but not only that, but Dana, you actually had your number 30 jersey retired by Westmont Hilltop High School, and, and that was something that happened recently. Uh, what was that like for you, getting that recognition from your, from your high school? It, it is truly humbling, really. I, I think, you know, you're all around me. You know, during the season, I, I, I really do try to stay behind the, the, the curtain. I really do. Um, it's not about me. And, and, uh, but I can say this. The last couple of years, um, I have been honored with so many different uh, great things. And I've been so blessed in this long career I've had so far. And hopefully it can continue for a few more years. That would be awesome. But uh, when, when they, they asked me about retiring my number, I have to be quite honest, and I, they, they asked me a, f- a few times over the past couple of years, and I have declined it because I just wasn't quite sure. And uh, when they reached out to me this year, uh, after long discussions with Eddie Johnson, he uh, made it quite obvious to me that I should do it. Uh, EJ <laughs> is a great person. I always lean on him quite a bit when certain things come up. EJ played in Johnstown in 1959-60 for the Johnstown Jets and won a, a championship there. I didn't know that. And he knows the he knows the community. And uh, I always I always got nervous because I'm a Johnstown guy, and that's my hometown. And and I'm a blue collar guy, and it always made me nervous. I didn't want I I don't know if it's necessarily an image type of thing, but I I was always nervous. I didn't want people back home to think that I'm like better than anyone else and i think that's just <laughs> maybe the way i was brought up maybe sure yeah. and uh each instilled it into me and, and and made me realize hey listen i come from a small town i've worked hard i've done things the right way and people appreciate that and they're proud of you so just accept when they want to you know honor you with certain things so i'm glad i did because i can tell you that the night that i went to johnstown for they retired my number was one of the most unbelievable magical nights. It, I, I can't even, I thought they were going to give me a jersey and just, here you go, thanks a lot, you know, for your service for four years. But, you know, <laughs> right. really, Westmont Hockey, to me personally, that, that's another important piece of this puzzle of me as an equipment manager. Um, I, that was really my, my life for four years in high school. I was not the best student ever. You know, I was more into art and photography, and the rest of school really wasn't my thing. And it's kind of ironic because my parents were teachers, and uh, hockey was sort of my focus, you know. And But the way they pulled that off that night, everyone involved, it was such a special moment. And I had no idea they are going to drop a banner from the. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I mean, I, I started to get choked up as well, but... It was so professionally done and, and so, so special 
the way that it came across. It, 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 it really meant a lot to me. And there's a lot of other people that played in that program that are also well-deserving. But I'm very humbled and honored to have my number in the rafters. And every guy that I played with for those four years are like, you know, brothers to me. So it was really special. I think I saw a video, too, of you in the dressing room beforehand. Yeah, talking the to the team. Did you have yeah. the speech prepared, or was that all off the cuff? Everything I do is off the cuff. <laughs> yeah, that was a stupid question. You know, what am I talking no, about? No, it's no. off the cuff. But, you know, you know, getting back to that is it, my, my freshman year, we, 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 we came up one game short of going to the state championship, and that was heartbreaking when we lost. My next two years, my, my, my junior or my sophomore and junior years, we really weren't that great. But we didn't really lose a lot of guys. But my senior year, we were outstanding again. And uh, we ended up losing one game to go to the state finals. And that's really disappointing because, you know, you know, in high school we had good teams and good people were around us. And we just never were able to get it done. And these young kids now have a great opportunity this year at Westmont to, to hopefully do something special. And, you know, I'm always rooting for them. Uh, it's been, I've been out of school since 1986. <laughs> you know, that's still my, uh, you know, I'm still proud of being a Hilltopper and I'm still proud of, of what they've accomplished. It's, you know, it's a great hockey program over there. So, you know, they're doing a good job. I know we talked about the morning duties that you have, but I think we got to get into the midnight crew, right? We got to get to the midnight crew. <laughs> Sam, you've actually been on the midnight yeah, crew. A few times, yeah. <laughs> I punched my ticket. Yep. And, and, and believe me, any extra hands on deck is, uh, is well appreciated. Uh, you let, know, me know, let me know Josh, when you need a hand again. Yeah, yeah. yeah Josh, you gotta, you gotta yeah, if you want to come at an event, you know, I actually on an would adventure. like to do that. It's gonna be kind of fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. It is. It's actually Sam, a, lot of, I think a lot of fun. Sam, I think your first uh, venture into it was in Buffalo. Remember, we yeah. in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, but Buffalo, Toronto. We have Minnesota. long. We have long hours, and and that's just part of the the, the gig. Believe me, I, I, it's, it is what it is, and. Uh, you know, now that we play every single team in the league, things have changed a little bit, and it just seems to me that our nights are longer and later, it, and that's that's right. what it is. I mean, I'm leaving the rink at three in the morning, and you know, I choose to be back by five fifteen. That's my choice. It's 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 not easy. I I don't sleep that much, but during the season, I'm I'm programmed into it. But you know, we don't skip a beat when we land that plane. You know, the guys are on the bus. They're off to the hotel. You know, the gear's coming off the plane. We're heading over to the rink, setting it up, making sure that uh, everything gets dried, wheeling trunks in. I mean, we, we do travel with about 100-some pieces. It's a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's incredible and, uh, how much you, know, you guys pack yeah. in those trucks. And we're not the heaviest in the league. I'm proud to say that <laughs> by far. We're, 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 really? we're probably at the lower end of the top ten. Wow. I'm, I I'm, can't imagine in those teams. I honestly can't imagine yeah, that. Yeah, because that's a lot of stuff. Yeah. It's a lot of stuff. But that's part of our job, you know. And yeah. and you know, I we're in Edmonton at two in the morning, and you're in the equipment truck, and you're looking out the window, and it's snowing, and you're like, wow, it's almost <laughs> like, what am I doing here right now? But it's what you do, and and you just have that love for it. So, you know, it's it's part of the job. You know, we don't complain. It is what it is. I think it's really cool that you share that with you know fans on Twitter. But you mentioned at the top of the, the podcast that you have an art and photography background. How kind of fun is it for you to maybe get into that a little bit on the side while, in addition to your... Well, originally, I, I'm really not a social media type person. Um, and and that, that's just, just me trying to be a little more reserved. But when the Twitter thing came about, um, I looked at it as an opportunity to use 
what I wanted to be in life was a photographer or in a graphic illustrator designer. So I, I, I kind of took that and uh, ran with it. I remember when the, the, my Twitter started, I went around and I started taking a few pictures around the arena and that was it. And I remember Jen Bolano coming to me. She's like, uh, Dana, uh, that's pretty cool, but you need to type in a comment. I'm like, what? <laughs> I didn't even know that there were comments on this. So uh, I learned a lot. But if I can say anything about the, the Twitter thing, it, it's been fun. I, I try to keep it interesting. There's so many times I'm like, I'm just, I can't do this anymore. Because I think, <laughs> I think... I don't want people to get bored, but if it's done anything, if it's opened the eyes to the, the, the fans or the general public of what an equipment manager does, then I think, I think it's done good. As you guys know, I really don't post many pictures of players, very rarely, very rarely, but it's mostly us and what we do behind the scenes. And I think it really gives you a, a pretty detailed, accurate description of what we do on a day-to-day basis and it is a lot and sure I choose to come early in the morning but you know we just don't roll in at four o'clock and okay the game's at seven there's the puck drop oh there's Dana Hines on the bench with his arms folded with a towel you know no I've been there and there's been a lot of things that have happened through the day to get this game you know off and uh, so you know we're proud that that we pull it off And, and we know that Listen, we're behind the scenes, and it, it's really not on us. But we are so proud when these guys are walking down the tunnel and they're going onto the ice. We know that they have their skates are perfect. You know, their equipment is every everything they need. They have, and we're there for them. And you know, wins and losses, we can't control that. You know, you never like to lose, but it's part of the game. But you know, after a long, long day, home or road, when you win, that's sort of like, man, that's great. And then if you lose, you know what? You got to just move forward. You put it, put it in your pocket. It's gone, and and we 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 start planning for the next day. You know, you made it when you have thousands of followers on Twitter and follow nobody. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, again, <laughs> I no, that's what I'm saying. Wasn't that's, quite sure that's, about that's how, how that know, works. That's how you know you made it. You're near that big a deal. You don't got to follow anybody. <laughs> Because I'm, I'm, really, kidding, I'm kidding. really not into, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I don't have an excuse. I can't. No, no, that's I, You know what? I, I, I will follow somebody someday, and then it'll, it'll. I hope it's it, the Pens Inside it, Scoop. It, it'll be, it'll, it, yes. it'll be crazy. Maybe, maybe after this podcast, we can sit down and talk about how that works. Because I have no idea how to follow anybody. So, well, fair. Maybe, maybe brief me on this, and then maybe I'll just follow everybody. Well, we can finish up with. Uh, we're going to let you gloat for a couple of minutes on your Boston Red Sox winning the World Series. You want to uh, take the floor here? I know I live in Pittsburgh, and I am <laughs> this is a very. Prepared statement. <laughs> I, I, I am in, I'm very good friends with Scott Bonnet, yeah, who is the, the Pirates uh, equipment manager. And uh, believe me, I have rooted for the Pittsburgh Pirates my whole life as well. But the Red Sox have a, 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 a special place in my heart. When I was a young kid, we uh, actually the first time I needed to get hockey equipment. My father, again, as I said, was a teacher, and he was an educator. So he was more book smart and things like that. Enjoyed sports, but not crazy sports. So when it was time for me to play hockey, in his infinite wisdom, he said, well, hockey is a Canadian sport. We're going to Canada. 
So <laughs> we packed the family car up and we drove to Montreal, Canada, found this little tiny pro shop in the middle of the city. They outfitted me head to toe with Montreal Canadian gear. And we drove back. We're heading back to Pennsylvania. And on the way, we stopped at Fenway. Oh, that's good. And, and then when you're a little kid, how can you not be like overwhelmed by the, the how beautiful that is what about when you're not a little kid <laughs> Fenway's a it's a special place well it is and yeah. and actually the story gets even better so of course pirates red sox fan and of course i have a brother he roots for the yankees because oh, you know boy. so i mean you figure that one sibling out sibling rivalry yeah but <laughs> the funny thing is when we played the Boston Bruins in the Eastern Conference Finals that one year, uh, we actually got to go over to Fenway and uh, meet the equipment manager for the Red Sox. Tom McLaughlin is his name, and uh, he's become a friend. Uh, we walked out uh, to meet him at the uh, one of the gates, and he walked us in. The Texas Rangers were out on the field for BP. He grabbed us. Next thing I know, we're through this door and we are on the field. I couldn't Man. believe it. It was like, wow. next, and then it gets even better. Then he reaches in his pocket and pulls out a key and he opens the green monster. There's a door and he's like, come on. I'm like in the green monster. At this point, <laughs> I'm getting pretty emotional. And then he pulls out a Sharpie out of his pocket. He's like, Dana, sign the wall. I'm wow. like, sign the wall? Everybody signs the wall that's special. I'm like, I sh shouldn't be signing this wall. He's like, yes, you should. So I got to sign that. And then, oh, what an unbelievable, magical thing. And uh, it was so much fun. And uh, rooting for the Red Sox is a lot of fun. They've had such good teams. And too bad Big Poppy wasn't able to be a part of this one. But uh, – it was a lot of fun. Curtis Bell, who's uh, one of our uh, medical trainers, and uh, he and I had a big bet because he's from California. So the, the, the loser has to wear a hat of the opposite team and go into a Starbucks in that city wearing the other opposing <laughs> team's hat. So I'm really glad that I'm not going to Los Angeles wearing – you know, the Red a Sox. Red Sox hat. Curtis, I can't wait till we go to Boston. I'm going to enjoy that one. But uh, it got, was good. We got some uh, good Mike Sullivan. And there's a couple of Red Sox fans in yeah. the locker room. Yeah. Yeah. Jim Rutherford. But I, if you have one second, I, I can tell you a very yeah, funny story uh, about baseball. I was with the New Jersey Devils. We were playing the New York Rangers. The Pirates were playing the Atlanta Braves. And I, at the time, was the guy driving the equipment truck back to the Meadowlands from Madison Square Garden with the two other guys in the truck, J.P. Mattingly and Ted Shook. The Pirates are winning this game. It was unbelievable. We're going into the Lincoln Tunnel. All of a sudden, we lose reception. <laughs> oh, no. I come out of the Lincoln Tunnel, and all I hear is, the Braves win, the Braves win. I'm like, almost wrecked the truck off the, <laughs> off the highway. I couldn't believe it. Sid Bream? Are you kidding me? The guy had two knee braces that are like the size of me. You give me, you give me PTSD right now. Oh my gosh! I'll tell you <laughs> Shock what. Shock trauma. Exactly. I mean, and then even funnier, when 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 Mike Rupp was with us, he became good friends with Sid Bream. And I remember the one day, Rupper came in the equipment room and said, "Hey Dana, uh, Sid Bream's going to be coming through the room." I'm like, "What do you mean he's coming through the room?" <laughs> I'm like, just casual. I'm like, I'm like, that's Sid Bream. You, do you know what he did to us? <laughs> <laughs> He's not allowed. No. I know. No, but uh, got to meet him. What a great person Sid was. And, uh, hey, listen, he played for the Braves, and that was his job, and he got it done, and, and kudos to those guys. But 
it just seems like the Pirates haven't been the since uh, haven't been the same since. Sadly, but yeah. uh, you know, there's always funny stories somewhere. It's, and it's I, cool that you have that connection too with the other teams, the Steelers, Pirates. Oh yeah, it's, it's great. We have a great relationship amongst. Which at first we didn't. When I first came to Pittsburgh, you know, none of us talked. But now we do have those relationships, and it's important. You know, we help each other out. It, it's 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 awesome. You know, Pittsburgh has a great great sports connection amongst the teams it's it's really important and i'm really lucky to be a part of that we're really lucky to have you on today dana this was <laughs> awesome thanks for doing this no i appreciate it Dana, you should write a book let sure. me write your book this is the forward to the book <laughs> exactly. the verbal forward. i don't think you have so I many great think, stories i don't think that would be appropriate <laughs> <laughs> the that's, stories that's we could tell we'll keep it pg <laughs> maybe we'll talk about it off the air. That sounds good. That sounds good. <laughs> Thanks, Dana. Thanks a lot. Thank you very Appreciate much. Appreciate it. The true value of a college education is realized after you graduate. Point Park is an affordable private university that's big on return for your investment. When you're prepared, success comes naturally. Surprisingly affordable, that's the point. Point Park University, downtown Pittsburgh.